Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. I want to welcome you to today's episode. I want to introduce today's guest, Susanna Dawn. To help me introduce her, she writes, I'm not what I used to be, yet I am who I've always been. Susanna entered 2022 with a total reinvention and now looks at business and life from vantage point set beyond labels, beyond boxes, those places in which our fears work hard to confine us instead of letting us see how we are so much more than a simple box. Susanna's experience in leadership roles spans a diverse group of industries, including U.S. Army Cavalry Officer, construction management, managing 20 to 30 million energy efficiency programs, writing for renewable energy firms such as solar, wind, and intertidal, a motivational speaker, storyteller, and business consultant, Susanna Dawn's reinvention story will be released in a memoir towards the middle of 2023 she no longer fits the proverbial box and never did, and now works to help people and organizations looking to grow find their own way beyond boxes. The title of this episode is Moving Beyond Boxes. Please join me in welcoming Susanna Dawn to Embers and Wind. Welcome, Susanna. Thanks. Well, we'll focus on your story more than once. In this episode, what piece of your story would be useful for people to, to know at the start of this conversation? So all my life, I've, I've basically been put in boxes. Either people told me what I am or who I am. In business, I was always told I had to pick a niche. So there was always this, this feeling of confinement for me that every time I get labeled some way, that I'm going to be boxed. I'm going to be viewed as X or Z or whatever. Once I did my reinvention going into 2022, what it really came down to was me being able to leave a box in my past. Mm -hmm. All my life, I've known that I was a girl and everybody told me that I wasn't because of the box that I was in. Now, being able to be myself and more open and not feel confined, this is who I am. This is who I've always been. And that's why my motto 
is what it is. I'm not what I used to be. I am who I've always been. You've got an under, undergraduate degree in history. Many hiring managers would be able, unable to move beyond this box. What relevance can we glean from our undergraduate degree to be able to see your competence as a consultant and storyteller? Well, just because that's the degree doesn't mean that's the experience. So you have to be considering the degree is important because in many ways it helps to tell stories within the companies. It, especially a history degree, it's history is a huge story. It includes being able to understand what happened in the past and be able to essentially go in research and see the nuances of what happened, see the specifics, understand what happened. When it comes to a company, being able to have this same kind of skill to understand what's going on, what's happening. Each industry has its technical aspects, yet a lot of what happens in an organization, it needs, it needs that story. It needs the ability to think critically. And all of this comes from degrees like history. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why anybody with that kind of a degree can't go farther because they're going to pick up the experience within each job. When you leave a job, that experience doesn't go away. It's not like you can close up a box and stick it in the past and say, that doesn't count anymore. This is the next box. That's your experience. And that's another reason why I really don't like being labeled in a box because it confines everything and we are so much more than what that box might contain yeah would it be fair to say education is a box that we want to help people move beyond Thank yeah you. you've got a master's degree in international management with a specialization in sustainability Tell us what sustainable means. The, the way I really like to look at it is how everything works together to, to prosper the environment, people, energy, nature, and, and well-being. So everything is tied together, and there's no reason why an organization can't find more sustainable ways to build products. Mm -hmm. When, when we start talking about sustainability, some of the things that I've seen, people will talk about a product, but they don't really talk about the beginning cycles to make that product. It's often what the product will do for the environment or for people after it's made. Right. Sustainability needs to look at the whole life cycle. What is going into that product? If somebody wants to truly be sustainable, they care about the materials that go into the product as well as building the product and what it's going to do and the end of the cycle. How do you take it apart? How do you make sure that it doesn't just go into the dump like a lot of other things? The life cycle is actually in many ways a circle. Mm -hmm. You worked for a company, several companies probably, that focused on sustainability Tell us more about your experience. So a lot of the companies, like the 
the company I work for in terms of energy efficiency, my programs were focused on home energy savings, trying to help consumers save some money on both ends of the product. On the, on the front end, it's when you buy the product, having some sort of an incentive to lower that cost. Mm-hmm. Once you have the product, it's supposed to reduce your energy costs. And the advantage of that, like for the utilities, when you can decrease the amount of energy being used, mm-hmm. then you reduce the amount of energy plants you actually need to create. Yeah. So a lot of people will think energy companies should want to do more energy. No, that's not totally the case because those energy plants are huge expenses. So it's all it's all saving. In construction, it was finding ways to reuse materials for forms. Whatever we could do to reuse materials, whatever we could do to have like lumber shipped cut to length or as close to length as possible. Mm-hmm. to reduce the scraps, reduce the waste. I did a project for a company that focused on the carbon footprint of a $9 million concrete warehouse. Mm-hmm. It was a tilt-up warehouse. So they wanted to figure out had how much would it cost to reduce the carbon footprint. And they, they took the major items, and the biggest item in that case was the concrete. So to go with the concrete plant that was only a couple miles away, as opposed to the concrete plant they used that was 20 miles away, mm-hmm. was the difference between driving a cement truck from Portland to New York and back three and a half times mm-hmm. versus not quite getting across the country the first time. <laughs> so it, it, it's finding the ways to, to reduce that footprint mm-hmm. and realizing that the cost, the the cost to cut the footprint almost in half would have been like twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Their whole purpose was to get people to think about how things are built, where the materials are coming from, mm-hmm. and you can still stay within the budget you wanted mm-hmm. and have a more energy efficient and a more lower footprint for the carbon footprint on the project. And not spend a whole lot. Would it be fair to say you've been involved in cutting edge in sustainability? I've I've been involved in a number of different things, and and those projects, in some ways, it was at those times. Mm-hmm. And then there were times I also talked with. I did presentations overseas because I happened to be in those areas on talking about green school designs and designing green schools as a living lab Mm -hmm. for where I gave that talk that was definitely cutting edge because they just were not there Mm -hmm. it it, it was more of a okay this is nice information they still do their business as usual because they just can't get their minds wrapped around the willingness to do something different thank you How will a movie Beyond Boxes impact international companies' sustainability? Well, moving beyond boxes, the way way I see it for an organization especially, that box can be 
the organization itself, how they do business. It can be the industry that they're in because that industry kind of only sees things one way or a limited number of ways. Mm -hmm. What I like is being able to stand outside of those boxes and start asking questions that either they think are silly questions Mm -hmm. because they're in the box or questions that they can't even think of. Mm-hmm. And, and so being able to say, who is your target audience? And have you thought about doing something like X? So mm-hmm. on an international level, it's looking at your business and thinking about ways to be more efficient with how your design is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they might focus on people as the way to save money and it could actually turn out to be the design. Mm -hmm. They might see a specific set of clients as their market. And so that's who they focus on Mm -hmm. when they could, they could actually add revenue streams that really won't cost anything extra and will increase the pipeline and maybe even deepen it into the future. Thank you. What would be useful for us to know about your passion for writing to get more value out of this conversation? For me, the the passion of writing is the story itself. When you tell a story, oftentimes it seems like organizations or, or people will write a story and it's the way they talk about themselves is this is who I am. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what others say about us. This is our customers. And they kind of imply that you should automatically want to work with them because of all that information. They don't necessarily create a bridge to bring their audience into the story. That's where storytelling makes a difference. To be able to sit down and create that bridge so that when you're talking about what the company does, how they've solved problems, how they've helped people, Create it in a way that the audience feels it. They feel like they're right there listening to what's going on. They're a part of that conversation and they've already gained a trust in the organization Mm -hmm. that when they go back home and they start thinking about what they need to do, all of a sudden the story resonates. Mm -hmm. So the storytelling has that ability to really tell tell something that tugs at the consumer at the customer at the client to say this is where you want to be this is where it's safe because they've already brought you into their story just by telling you about themselves mm-hmm. and there's one thing to write about it there's nothing to talk about it what's the difference between writing about a story and telling a story if, if you're writing about a story, it's more of the, this is what's happening and this is what to expect. And it, it's, it's kind of a kind of impersonal in some ways, mm-hmm. whereas the story, it's got a little bit more emotion to it. It has more of a draw to it. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm just writing a copy that's this is what we did, this is let's take like a an intertitle press release. 
mm-hmm. where all it's talking about is this is where it was. This is what's happening. This is what we did. And this was the result. Mm-hmm. This is our press release. Mm-hmm. It could be changed up to put a little bit more emotion into it so that you have a little bit better idea of where it is. If it's intertidal, talk a little bit more about maybe what the waters are like when this project was put in place. What were you dealing with? It's, I mean, intertidal, it's, it's windmills in the water. You want to give something a little bit more windmills in the water, but how does that resonate with who's reading it? Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about it was choppy water when we had to, when we put it in and it'll always be that way. So we had to make sure that it was anchored correctly for this kind of environment, or it was, it, we did it in the summer. So it was a hot time and just kind of talking about the things that you overcame mm-hmm. to put that in place. Okay. People are used to overcoming something. Mm-hmm. And if you can show overcoming whatever it is that will resonate more thank you would it be fair to say you've already transformed your written skill into a public speaking skill that's the way i like to do it it's the the written skill telling the story i've i've written fantasy stories i've got manuscripts that i i plan on self-publishing my own story it's it's taking that storyteller aspect and then Bring it to the stage, bring it to people so that they feel what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this interview. The more I talk about the boxes, the fear within the box, how everybody that's in a box is not the same. Mm-hmm. It's tugging at people to create an awareness to see that where they're where they might be in a box, whether it's an organization and trying to figure out what their next steps are, or whether it's a person who's trying to figure out where they want to go in business or in a company, it's showing them that there's more to life than what they think and creating that story using my own story to show that they can basically reinvent themselves and go beyond those boxes that they thought they were stuck in. Right. Tell us about your work as a program manager and how your work in this not-for-profit organization is relevant to for-profit companies. I know it is. This particular company that I was working with, it's a it's a not-for-profit. We're, we're still talking about projects that are 20 to $30 million. We're still talking about projects. I, I had one measure within my program that just took off in one state. It exceeded what everybody expected really? for certain reasons. Well, and, and the thing is, that's not a good thing because that's blowing the budget. Mm-hmm. A lot of that budget is tied to the incentives. It's just like business. Mm -hmm. Part of the cost is the cost of materials. In this case, it's the cost of incentives. Mm -hmm. There's a similarity between that. If your incentives or your materials go up, your budget has been blown. And how do you recoup that? I had to work it out with a director to work it out with with the company that we were working for, the utility to say, listen, this has gone way over budget and we are billing actual. So by X date, we expect to be out of money, which means the rest of this contract period year, 
we can't do anything. So we need to get this change order so that we can keep things fluid, keep everything rolling like it's supposed to. So it's very similar. The organization has managers and all the different levels. You've got different versions of material, but it's still the same as, as a corporation, as any other business. I read your LinkedIn profile in preparing these questions. And when I read your LinkedIn for profile, the first thing I saw was not-for-profit. I had put you in a box with people I know who work for not-for-profits. I didn't realize until I prepared the questions just how rich your experience is. Well, and, and not-for-profit, people think that there's something about not-for-profit that is... It, you can't make money. Mm -hmm. That's not true. The whole idea of not-for-profit is you want to help people in various ways. Mm -hmm. You It doesn't mean you can't make money. It's just right. whatever you make basically goes back into the company mm -hmm. for growth. Right. The other not-for-profits I'm familiar with are more charitable in nature. Yeah, and, and so those, company. those are the ones that they're more focused on, main, on limiting however much the overhead is. Mm -hmm. So all the money goes to wherever it is that they're trying to help. Right. This not-for-profit, this is much more of a corporate organization where you've got everybody from an, a, essentially a CEO down to service support the people on the phones that are talking with the customers mm -hmm. and everybody in between and you're putting programs together you're tracking all the different costs that are involved with that program and just making sure that you don't go over budget thank you how is your experience a relevant example of the potency in moving beyond boxes my experience is always looking at what can be done differently. Mm -hmm. Within the companies, it was it always got to be difficult to be stuck in a stuck in a role that you can't you can't really offer advice, offer ideas. So that you're stuck in that box. You don't see where you can you don't see where you can give to the company to help it grow because nobody wants to listen to ideas that could significantly grow the company. So that's, that's one aspect of my experience. The other one is just my own transition. Mm -hmm. And, and I really, you won't hear that word very much for me. You won't hear trans from me very much because that's just a small piece mm -hmm. of who I am. Right. I don't focus on that. Mm -hmm. If somebody, if that's all they want to see me as, then that's what they'll see me. And and I'll accept it. However, they got to understand I'm so much more than any label. Right. And this is one of the things that my experience has been to sit back and go, they stuck me in this box and they painted me based on some subset in the box that mm -hmm. they don't like or that meets whatever their value is mm -hmm. and the reality is everybody in a box it can be trans it can be imposter syndrome it can be 
women. It can be neurodiverse mm-hmm. people that they aren't fluent in their language. Mm-hmm. Everything. Everybody that's put in that specific box, the reality is they're just as diverse as the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find that you may think you don't like that community, that group, and yet a lot of them will actually align with your views, mm-hmm. what you're thinking. They're diverse, just like everybody else. How can moving beyond boxes help a company solve a diversity problem? Everybody that's in that category, that box of whatever, whether it's racial, whether it's gender, whether it's neurodiversity, whether it's disability, whichever box it is, it's the first understanding is everybody in that box is different. Mm -hmm. My approach to this in terms of DEI is not so much a policy Mm -hmm. as having a guideline. Mm -hmm. You got to meet people where they are. Right. But when it comes to DEI, you can have people that say, this is what you have to do. Here's here's the steps. Here's the policy. Enact it. The people that have to, that are affected by it, both those who might be in a DEI box and those who aren't, you have to meet them where they are. Give them that opportunity to know what's going on and be able to move forward from there. Mm-hmm. I'll just take a trans example. If you set a policy that says somebody wants to transition in the workplace, this is how it's going to be done. And it's based on that person who they like the limelight. They like the spotlight. They want everybody to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then the second person who's thinking about it might be that person that is on the quiet side. They don't want the limelight. They just want to be themselves. They know they can do a much better job if they're there authentically. However, if they have to do what person number one did, and and this could be like a senior manager, somebody that's important to the company, they won't feel safe anymore Mm -hmm. because that's the policy. That's the requirement. That's what they have to jump through. Right. And if that's the case, either they're going to hold back, which means you're not getting their full self, or they're going to go find another company where they feel safe so they can be themselves. And this will happen for across the board. If it's disability, if it's neurodiversity, take your pick. There are some people that they will like the policy that's in place, but there's others that they can't live with it, mm-hmm. even though that policy is for them. Thank you. Share a story about moving beyond boxes to solve a diversity problem to stimulate our thinking about what's possible. That kind of fits into what I was just mentioning, because the the best story is that person, a company wants to do DEI, but they, they bring somebody in to just say, give me the plan. And I've seen this in sustainability too. It's like, just tell us what to do and we'll do it. And they're not involved. The company has to be involved in that process because you need to know where everybody's at. So the best story on that is looking where everybody's at and how are you going to get everybody on board and understanding that you might have those curmudgeons who are going to be difficult Mm -hmm. 
they they just they can't do it now are you going to say because they don't follow the policy they're out is that going to be the company policy mm-hmm. how are you going to work with people at different stages that's what that's what needs to be viewed as as you start looking at your DEI stories would you say it's really about involving the people who work for the company it's involving the people who work and it's also involving and letting the various DEI groups mm-hmm. know that it's understood that they're not all the same right so just because a person is x does not mean everybody in that group is also the same yes thank you you're a good example of that <laughs> where do people and their organizations struggle when it comes to diversity and inclusion and what's this got to do with moving beyond boxes i think a lot of the struggle comes into how they set up their programs and and for some of them it's it's what they expect people to do and not everybody can do the same thing so a company might decide that everybody has to go through certain trainings mm-hmm. and those trainings may actually not be conducive to some some of the employees they may actually find it offensive and they're the ones that are in that group that this training is supposed to be supporting yeah so dei the story around it is trying to make sure everybody's on the same page and understand that everybody is different mm-hmm. and you can work towards a goal you can work towards being the leader but being the leader might be just showing that everybody is the same in the company and you're not going to penalize people because of anything people just want to be themselves mm-hmm. and do their best and be authentic mm-hmm. and then they really want to help the company right how can a list, listener who resonates with your message stay connected with you my primary is is my linkedin profile mm-hmm and all you got to do is look up Susanna Dawn, and I think I'm about the only one out there. <laughs> I'll have it in the show notes. Yeah, so that's that's the best way to do it is is my LinkedIn profile, mm-hmm. and then uh, I do have an Instagram as well, and that's just Susanna Dawn Writer, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't have the emphasis that I have on my linkedin profile because on on linkedin that's where i will do posts on boxes on reinvention uh on stories i have stories that i tell and some of those stories are focused on boxes and reinvention so do you have benevolent call to action for listeners to apply what they learned in this episode to move beyond boxes the first thing is is awareness to to start looking at where are you what is that box that you're starting to see yourself in what is the fear that's keeping you in the box and start kind of looking through the the way i see a box is it's got the it's got the six walls basically Mm -hmm. and there will be cracks in it 
And so just start seeing, thinking about what it is you want to do, what it is you want to change, how you want to move beyond that box, see what's out there, and realize that just because your fears are telling you that it's not safe to go beyond that box, that it's not safe to step out of whatever it is you think you're stuck in, mm-hmm. look beyond that box and realize that, yes, there can be some bumps, but the end result is going to be a whole lot better than being stuck someplace where you're fearing all the time. I want to thank you so much, Susanna, for being a guest on Embers and Wind today. Thank you. And I also want to thank you for joining us for this conversation. I look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers and Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers and Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us. 